Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be here corporately and gather and worship your name here today. Father, it is a great name, and I pray that we'll continue to be remade in this truth that your power, your authority, your love has no match. And Father, I pray this morning if there are areas of our lives where there is unbelief, I pray that you will grant us belief in your name. I pray that you'll convict our hearts where we need it, encourage us where we need it. And Father, most of all, I pray that you will just continue to help us be a church that gives all the praise and all the glory back to you. And Father, I pray that you will bless these kids today. Father, we desire for you to saturate your spirit all over the kids' barn today. I pray that they'll know you on a deeper level, and I pray that you will create in them a movement that that starts and spreads throughout our community. Father, create in them a boldness, a, a love, and an affection for you. Father, we love you a lot. In Jesus' name, amen. Kids, you are dismissed. Have a wonderful time. Well, good morning. How we doing? Everybody enjoying the month of October to this point? If not, it's almost over. New month coming. So this, uh, this time next week, my family, uh, we will be in full-on Christmas mode. Am I, are we the only ones or anybody else? All right, okay. All right, looks like six of you, so that's good. All right, there we go. So, hey, uh, my name is Dallas. If I haven't met you, I'd love the opportunity after the service to, uh, for you to introduce yourself and get to know you a little bit better. We are in the second week of our In East Tennessee As It Is In Heaven series where we're trying to answer this question, what does it look like to live in the kingdom of God here and now? Uh, last week we talked about the fact that His kingdom is here among us now as it is in heaven and we talked about the idea that the first step in living in the kingdom of God is to enter into his character and to enter into his power and we talked about the idea that uh, becoming the kind of people that God desires to impart his power to uh, that's hashtag church goals right like that's a place that we want to be that God desires to work in us, and um, we talked about the fact that one of the ways to enter into the character of God is these things like forgiveness, like loving our enemies, like praying for those who persecute us, these things that go against our nature, that we submit in obedience to God, and we see His character and His power working and flowing together. And this week, as we get started, I'd love to define a couple of terms for us. Uh, let's just go big as we get started. Heaven and hell. Let's define heaven and hell. Hell is the full reality of existence completely apart from God. And I would also add to that, and any kind of experience of God. And then heaven is the full reality of life 
with God completely apart from sin. Now, there can obviously be no greater contrast between these two definitions. And uh, the only way for us to reach eternal glory as opposed to eternal devastation is through Jesus Christ. So as we go forward today, I want us to think through this lens that Jesus always ultimately leads to the life of something. Now, initially, that comes through death, and we'll talk about about that here in a little bit. But ultimately, he leads to the life of something, while sin always leads to the death of something. And ultimately, these two extreme eternal realities are towards heaven or towards hell. And I say that because I want us uh, to understand today that right now with his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven, that there are not just eternal consequences, but there are also consequences in our day-to-day to lead towards the life of something or towards the death of something. The life of our heart, first and foremost, the life of our relationships, the life of our purpose depends on are we remade in Jesus Christ, or are we still dead to sin? See, I used to think that the good news of Jesus was just simply the forgiveness of sin. And it is that. It is very much that, but that's not the extent of it. Another definition I have is that grace is not just an invitation into a future reality of heaven, but into a current reality of God dwelling with us now in this kingdom and forevermore. See, him being with us today is to experience grace. To feel his presence, to have him dwelling with us now, this is already an experience of grace. Uh, In Matthew chapter 3, John the Baptist says, repent. For what? For the kingdom of heaven is here now. And in Matthew chapter 4, in fact, Jesus himself says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is in your midst. And then in Matthew 10, when he sends the disciples out, he says, Hey, tell them, the kingdom of God is here now. Because the gospel is not just about the forgiveness of sins. It is not merely heaven and hell. Although, look, we've got to get that part right. Right? We've got to get our salvation correct to to live, or not even live, but to exist eternally outside of God. Man, that is a scary, scary thought. We've got to get that right. However, we've also got to understand that he's leading to the life of something now, and sin is leading to the death of something now as well. Uh, Before we go any further, I want us to just take a second to sort of gauge what is guiding us right now. Is it Christ or is it our sin? And one way to do that is to evaluate how you respond when you are confronted by your sin. Is your first response to, to say, well, I, you know, I've kind of had a hard day today. Or you don't really understand kind of what I'm dealing with. Or I think the one that's really tearing up our culture right now is, I wouldn't have done blank if this person hadn't done blank. If we're doing that, then, then we are being guided by sin. But if our response is 
to, to evaluate, take a step back and evaluate with humility, objectively to look at, okay, is this person right? And, and maybe do I need to give something of myself over to God that I haven't given yet? If we're doing that, then we're operating from a place of life that's found in Christ. Uh, we're going to read in Romans chapter 6 today, if you have your Bibles. Uh, we're going to start in verse 5, and we're going to read all the way through 14, uh, stopping and starting along the way. But Paul talks about this uh, in really good detail, starting in verse 5 here. It says this, For we have been united with him in a death like his. We will certainly also be united with him in a re- uh, resurrection like his as well. Uh, a question I want to ask us is, was there ever a time that you died to yourself and were raised into new life in Christ? And I'm not asking this question for you to like remember the exact moment of that, right? I, like, I, I don't remember my birth, but I do know that I was born Right? Like, I'm here existing to show that. And I think it's true also that when we're raised into new life in Christ, we can see the evidence by our life to this point. And I'm not just talking about normal kind of as you get older, you mature a little bit or any kind of cultural thing. I'm talking about like, is the old gone and the new is here? It's a question I want us to think through as we continue forward. See, I think it's not a popular thing to say for us to die to self today, is it, in our culture? In fact, I think the thing that we fear most in our culture is death. And the thing that we love most is self. So to say we've got to die to self is a pretty drastic statement to the culture, but this is the only way into fullness of life. I think what's missing from the conversation is that we will all have death inevitably. The fact that Jesus says that uh, anybody who wants to save their life will lose it, but if you lose your life, it's found in my name. I think one of the things the culture doesn't quite understand is that you will lose your life. This is simply the reality. You will lose your life one way or the other, but the invitation is today to lose your life so that you can actually find life in Christ. And if we don't do that, we're simply going through the motions until we have no more motion left. So, the first step is we need to get rid of self, die to sin, and be raised into new life in Christ. Verse 6. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin... Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, notice the language here. Slaves to sin. We are slaves to sin. Remember how we said at the beginning that sin always leads to the death of something. And that Jesus ultimately leads to the life of something. So that if we are slaves to sin, we can't help but continue to contribute to the death of everything around us and in us. We are constantly leading towards the death of something when we are dead in our sins. The numbness of our souls, our interactions with others, our insecurities, all these things must 
take root when we are slaves to sin and we don't have life in Christ. But Paul is saying this does not have to be our story anymore. You can let that death die. And the only way to do that is to die one death to self and then be raised into new life in Christ. Y'all, one of the things that I've noticed over the years is that most of my problems follow me. And I don't mean to be too rough on myself, but wherever I go, there I am. And that's why my problems follow me. Right? I think our biggest issue is not how we were raised. It's not what other people have done to us. It is that we continue to be slaves to sin and dead to our sin. So we're continuing to contribute to the life of everything or the death of everything around us and in us. See, the solution is not centered around self. It is going away from self. Uh, The culture, I think, is just really sucking the life out of people with phrases like, do what makes you happy. Really? Like, that is the equivalent to when a kid says, I just want to eat candy every single meal and I don't want to go to sleep. What happens is our souls begin to rot and our purposes begin to fade. A better slogan would be, no, do what brings joy, which is to submit to Christ. Uh, Another one is follow your heart. It's No, lead your heart into the ways of Jesus. Following your heart only leads you to a place that you probably don't even want to be a couple years from now. If you really think about it, think about two years from now. Were, were those the same dreams that you have now? Likely not. I think if I followed my heart, I would probably some days decide that I'm just not going to work anymore and I'm going to pursue a professional golf career. And if you've, if you've played golf with me, you know, Dallas, it's going to end really badly for you and your family. Right? Like when we follow our heart, it just... It's not a good idea. Or the worst one, I think, is when people say, this is my truth. Guys, man. Now, we do have experiences that other people don't have. You know, if you break your arm or something, like, your experience may not be my experience. But but there is only one truth. Truth is not fluid. It is not outside of us. It is fixed. Uh, It's not inside of us, excuse me, it is fixed and it is outside of us. There is one truth. And in fact, Jesus says in John 15 that he is the truth. That he is the truth. Y'all, these slogans simply will never get it done. A better slogan would be this, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Jesus. This is where fullness of life truly begins and y'all like I don't mean to be like too hard on us this morning I've just seen over the years in counseling just time after time after time how self gets in the way of relationships all the time first and foremost in our relationship with Jesus we have got to first and foremost deny self and find new life in Christ verse 8 now if we died with Christ We believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. 
But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Y'all, this is the off-ramp for our souls. We are like a semi-truck whose brakes have gone out down a mountain. And Jesus says, here's your off-ramp. Here's your off-ramp. It is to find new life in Jesus Christ. The invitation is to die to self. And then what it says in verse 11, this is key. It says, be alive to God in Christ Jesus. Now, this is the part that we have a hard time with in our culture because we're supposed to be alive to ourselves and do what we want to do and live for ourselves. But no, no, it says in verse 11, it says, no, live to God in Christ Jesus. That is to say, prioritize the things of Jesus. Structure your life around the ways of Jesus. Prioritize things like unity and prayer and love and growth in your relationships and the life of your relationships and listen to him through his word and take your orders from him, not ourselves. See, when we bring our life into his life, that's when we do, in fact, find life. Verse 12, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Remember last week we talked about how we have a role to play in living life in the kingdom. In order to experience fullness of life in the kingdom of God, we have a role to play. This is our role right here. It says, do not let, highlight that, circle it, whatever you need to do. Do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. I think one of the biggest misconceptions that we have about sin is that we think it's just this big moment where we have to resist temptation when in fact it's all these little moments that, that we make compromises and then we go to a place we just never thought we would be. We have got to let, uh, not let sin reign in our mortal body. In fact, this, I think Paul is being very literal here. I think he's saying, do not let your eyes be exposed to sin because eventually what will happen is sin will go through your eyes into your heart and rot your heart. I think he's saying, don't let your ears be exposed too often to sin because it's going to go through your ears and into your heart. Do not speak sin with your mouth. Do not uh, use your hands for angry things. He's saying, hey, don't even let sin get started in your life. We must not let sin reign in our mortal bodies because it will eventually kill the heart. When King David um, gets caught in adultery and murder and all this stuff, it, it, it didn't start with lust. It, in fact, started before that. It started while kings were off at war, and David decided to keep his body at home when he should have been off with his soldiers at war. What we do with our body matters. We have got to not let sin reign in our bodies at all. Because this is the gateway into our heart. What if, and sometimes I, I just dream, you know, but what if we were so in tune with life in Jesus that we could look at sin and we could say, not just, I, I resist the temptation of you, but, but I'm so in tune with Jesus that, that you really mean nothing to me. 
that I've looked at this temptation and I've looked at Jesus and I say, wow, the goodness of Jesus is, is so much greater. I don't want anything to do with you. And I believe that we can become the kind of people as we live life in the kingdom, as we're remade by life in the kingdom, I believe we can become the kind of people who transform more and more into the kind of people that say to sin, get out of here. You mean nothing to me. Because I've looked at you and I've looked at Christ and Christ is so much greater than you are. Verse 13, do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been bought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. And I think you'll know that you're operating under grace when you... uh, Decide what you're going to do when, not if, but when you wreck things completely. Right? There's two things that are important there. One is to be able to identify the fact that you are out of step with the character of God. And then what you do from there is you run back to Him. That's operating out of grace. See, operating out of the law would be when you recognize your sin, which is a great thing to do, But then you duck away from him and that you hide away from him. You think, I've got to start to get things going a little bit better in my life and then I'll approach him. You're not operating out of grace. That's operating under the law again. I'd love to read from uh, Luke chapter 9, uh, verses 23 through 25. It says this. It says, Then Jesus said to all of them, If anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very own soul? Y'all, giving your life to Christ might cost you a lot. It might cost you everything on this earth, but what is everything on this earth compared to losing your very own soul? Y'all, if if you're here this morning and you have not given everything over to Him, man, now's the time to do it. To enter from death and to life. And if you are a Jesus follower today, I want us to continue to let that truth reign in our minds that, uh, that when we operate in the fact that we have put our life into the life of Christ and we're letting Him guide our life, that we are leading to the life of something. That if you are evaluating your relationships and you're saying, why are these relationships not going the way that I hoped? Or why is this thing going on? Or why is my my, uh, soul so numb? We've got to evaluate, is sin reigning in some way over our lives? Are we allowing it? by the things that we do, by, by our body, are we allowing sin to reign in our lives or are we being guided by the gospel of Jesus Christ? Uh, I told some of you this story that uh, a friend of mine um, had a house fire um, last week and 
he got out, which thank God he, he did, but he got out with really nothing but the clothes on his back. Uh, lost everything that belonged to him. But a few days later, he sent me this message. He said this. He said, uh, this experience has made me finally rely fully on God. If one night of fire saved me from eternal fire, then what a deal. He's closer to God than he's probably ever been before. And when you strip it all down, when all the possessions and everything are taken away from you, can you look and say uh, the fact that Christ is in this space, that that's enough? That if Christ has entered that space and you have a closeness and an intimacy with him, that that is enough. Y'all, that is our goal as Christ followers. As Paul says in Philippians, he says, look, I count everything else a loss. Compared to knowing Christ, Christ is everything. And as we leave here today, I want that truth, whether you are an unbeliever today or you are a believer, to say, I'm going to submit everything to Christ. And if there are areas of your life that you're struggling to do that, man, I will be here at the front. And I would love to have that conversation with you about what it looks like to step into life more fully found in Jesus Christ. Let's worship. Let's pray and then we'll worship. Father, I thank you. Um, I thank you for this truth of, of your word, the fact that you, that you are truth, like we've talked about here today, that when there are things wrestling around in our minds that we're struggling with, that there are insecurities, that the enemy is tempting us with anxieties and all these things, that, that really when it comes down to it, despite how we're feeling, that, that you are truth, that those things could never be true because you are truth. Father, I pray if there's anyone in here who's struggling to believe that today, that they're just weighed down by anxieties and thinking that they're just, they, they just never measure up. Father, I pray that you will show them once again how valuable they are to you this morning. Father, I pray if there are sin habits today, I pray for a courage and a humility to just say, I repent of that. I'm done with that. I've been leading to the death of something for far too long. And today I want to lead to the life of something. Father, let that be the prayer in our own hearts today that, that we come to life in you and in your name. And if there's any areas that are lacking in that area, I pray that you will just reveal that to us right now. Give us a, a little bit of belief in your name here this morning. I pray that you'll continue to take these steps in our life and continue to make us a church that, that worships your name, that, that, that grows and wants to be more like you in all that we do. Father, that's our prayer this morning. And Father, we love you and we give all the praise and all the glory to you. To Jesus' name I pray. Amen.